This is episode 126 of the History Voyager. This was the mouth and mind behind Tommy's Outdoors, which is a blog, a YouTube channel, and a podcast. He's been doing this for three years. We had a very, very interesting conversation, which, as usual, ranged over a wide range of topics. I really enjoyed it, and I I really look forward to talking to fellow creators and also just regular people, but also experts, too. Anyway, as always, I'm having a great day, and I hope you are, too. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ben Kitchings. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very much for listening to mine. I'm here with Tommy of Tommy's Outdoors, which is an interesting podcast. Hello, are you print? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just saying hello, folks, and thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Are you primarily based in uh, Britain, then? Britain and Ireland? Yeah, I, I, I'm based in Ireland. And so actually Britain, Great Britain's the other island, which is the UK is on yes. there and um, in the Republic of Ireland, which is south of Ireland, island of Ireland. Yeah, the southern portion of the island of Ireland. Mm. Um, so tell me, what drew you to the outdoors? At all? Oh, man. Um, you know, I am I am uh, born and raised in the city, um, so it, it, I guess you know I was I was always used to just being around you know streets and traffic and concrete and all that. Um, but we had a and, and and just by the way, maybe before we go any further, I was born in Poland, so I'm Polish. Uh, I only moved to Ireland, you know, number of years ago, 15, I guess, at this point. So it was all in, in, in Poland. And so, like I said, I was uh, uh, living in a city and going to university there. And But we had like a summer house. So it was, you know, I call it a summer house because it was not, not really suitable to spend the winters. And, you know, back in the day, we had a, like a proper winters in, in Poland. So that was not suitable for that, but for summer and especially for, you know, holiday period when I was a kid, uh, we were out there and, you know, we had a, a little bit of a rural setting and uh, woods and stuff like that. So that was always something new and different. And then, you know, when I got the, when I got the job in, in Ireland and I moved to Ireland, um, I'm, I'm based in like basically holiday County, you know, uh, I, I you have a mountains and you have a uh, ocean and that was like man i just went crazy you know oh cool so that, that does sound neat does part of that does part of your attraction to the outdoors i mean i don't know how old you are but are you old enough to remember communism in oh yeah 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 um yeah. i'm in my mid 40s so I, oh, okay. I, I, I do, I do remember communism. Yeah, for sure. Okay, right. So this part of your attraction to the, I guess, the Irish outdoors, maybe there's some sort of psychology, uh, psychology about I'm, I'm away from communism. This is freedom. Nah, 
don't no, think, def no. Def definitely not. You know, the communism, um, when it was ended, like in 1989, I guess, right? So, yeah. so no, I, I, you know, like my, my, my adult life in, in Poland, when I got my, you know, I finished university, got my first job, that was, that was already uh, after the communism. And so that wasn't a part at all, you know. It, it was just, you know, this is where I move, this is where I live. And uh. I think one of the great things, and, you know, I was drawn to outdoors back in the Poland as well, but because I was in the city, I, I had less opportunities. And, you know, oh. I, I, what I always say that Ireland has, gives you so much opportunity to try different outdoor pursuits, um, you know, basically for nothing. It's very easy. Um, and, and, you know, like, for example, I always give an example like a golfing, right? When you, when you, when you want, want to try to, to golf, you need to go and get yourself into the golf club and you're paying a lot of money for that as well and it's you know all very posh and all that and don't get me wrong we have those those golf clubs here as well in ireland but also you know i bought my set of used clubs for like 50 euro you know it's it's like i don't know 60 dollars from my buddy and you know every second uh village has a golf course or some sort of a place where you can play golf and you can try that you know and and then you take cycling for example again um contrary so to men so what many irish people would say those roads are fairly safe and 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 not that bad like compared to, to other places um then you go you know like a hunting and fishing again uh, i think that the entry barrier is fairly low and it gives you good opportunity to try all the different outdoor pursuits you know yeah, so I, I bet. Um, so you, you fashioned yourself into an outdoorsman. Essentially, you were an urban fellow, and mm. and you fashioned yourself into an outdoorsman. I think it was like deep in me always. It just it just needed to you know like you like you, you need you put the seed and you need like this drop of water so it kind of <laughs> starts go out and this is there was kind of like that I, I guess. So what drew you to make a podcast about the outdoors? Ah, that's a good question, man. Um, you know, I I started as a as an angler, right? That's my base, and uh, obviously I start, you know, fishing and 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 going for for fishing back back in the day in Poland, and shortly you know you go you catch a fish you take a photo and and then you have it's like you know like you, you want to share that with your with your friends and buddies or at least with like-minded people right and mm -hmm. these were the times when they you know that whole social media and all that it was just starting i think what what year was it it wasn't even year 2000 right so uh there was this time when you have all those forums and these bulletin boards where people you know, oh, right. can type yeah. and say like hey you know i'm fishing and what do you want to get like the you know how to tie uh, your float to the line and stuff like that right so obviously people were sharing their their uh photos as well and I, I remember I was using the program like it de defunct right now it was called Picasa which was like best damn photo management program ever thanks Google for killing it um and it has like a button blog it right and I didn't even know what the blog is right but I clicked the button oh yeah and it, and it sets up the page on my on the on the blogger 
which I think still exists. It's a, it's a Google site for blogging, right? And that's how I started uh, Angling Blog. Uh, it was called, um, you know, translation from Poland, Tommy's Angling Adventures, right? And that blog, mm. I, I was running that blog for a number, number of years. And when I moved to Ireland, I was keep keep going at it. And I was posting, you know, I went crazy because I started sea fishing here and, you know, all these posts. And, you know, after a while, uh, it, it kind of stopped uh, because, you, you know, I, I never blogged anything like, you know, oh, once a week or once every two weeks. It was like literally if something interesting happened. So I could put like a three posts in a week or I could put, like, you know, then one post in two months it, because I just didn't want to go like, oh, I caught another fish. Right. And then the next post, yeah, I caught, you know, same species of fish only later. Like I didn't want to do that. It was always like something interesting. And obviously, when you do a lot of that, you you know, at some point you run out of interesting things. You're kind of repeating the same same stuff. So it kind of like naturally died died down. And um, but I but I still want to do something. And because I was kind of like in Ireland, I was in in English speaking environment, and what I was doing was much more relevant to you know irish people and even people in the uk than the polish people so then again blogging about it in polish language didn't make much sense so i i wanted to do so, something similar uh, okay i forgot to ask yeah the blog was in polish blog was in polish yes yes okay. exactly okay and and so it it was you know we had the point when it was kind of like a you know default well, not defunct it's still out there and and you know, you can go and, and see uh, that blog. But uh, I wanted to start something that will be more relevant and kind of like a, in the English-speaking realm, let's say. And being, uh, you know, English being not my first language, the, you know, obviously speaking is much easier than writing. Uh, so I thought, like, why, do I, why don't I start, start podcast? So podcast was like, kind of very natural transition you know it was like a blog only i don't have to write and and uh you, you know like in in spoken word you you get away with more things well, <laughs> well if you write something you need to you need to be on point and you need to have your grammar and everything on point so that's how i started a podcast uh because i wanted to create something i wanted to share the outdoors and the knowledge and everything and you know i i, I get kicks with people kind of commenting and but you know the idea was to do the podcast because I don't have to write. It will be easier for me to speak rather than write. Okay. Um, so uh, now I must confess I've only listened to one episode, which I really enjoyed, even though I'm not much of an outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. Oh no, no, I I, I really. Enjoyed it. But the thing that occurred to me was, as you're talking to this older gentleman, the thing that occurred to me was that you might not even be aware of it, but you're creating a, an oral history mm -hmm. of certainly of his hunting exploits, but also, weirdly, of our time mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And I saw that you had 99 episodes. Mm -hmm. Now, in those 99 episodes, have you noticed a, you must have noticed some sort of trend or some sort of overarching uh, thing that these people are going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would no, you care to and, share, and, 
you, you, you're right. You're right, Ben. Um, number one, you know, that was the whole idea of, of, uh, of recording that episode with Bertie to kind of like preserve this history. But you're right that, you know, and I, I guess that's not only goes for me, but, but for you and for every podcaster that we creating this sort of a record of, you know, times uh, that we're living through right now. And if you ask me if there's one overarching thing, you know, I think that the over, overarching thing is this um, beginning, we begin to realize how much we lost in terms of natural history in term of, in terms of you know habitats and 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 woods and rivers and clean water and animals and birds and like how much all that declined and you know i even at, at times my my podcast was described as environmental and i guess there is an environmental aspect to it but even if you talk to you know, hunter, hunters or anglers, or, you know, even, even if you take me and, and, you know, I, 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 I fish here for like 15 years, even over those 15 years, I see the decline and that decline is accelerating. So I guess that's a sadly inevitable conclusion that this is um, kind of like an overarching theme, you know, that, well, how, how we can stop this um, to not lose everything. Now I, I've never been to Ireland. Um, I, my exposure to the UK is primarily, well, these days it's through talking to people that live there, mm. but you know, I've also seen, uh, British television, things like that. And either television programs set in the modern day or older or kind of the modern recreation of older of you know days gone by hmm. but the thing that occurs to me is how similar britain seems to look to where i live which is mm -hmm. you just see a bunch of over here we call them uh, shopping malls or strip malls or mm -hmm. uh you know gas stations and it's just all pavement and you know, I met a, a a British man who lived in Canada, and he mm -hmm. said the the thing about um, the UK these days is is it's just all paved over. Yep. And I mean, I have some idea of how big or small the UK is, but I I think it's the size of. Um, like Alabama and Georgia put together, which isn't big at all. But how many people live in the UK? First, of all? I, I, you know, I'm not sure. Um, we could Google that. I, I think around 60 million. I don't know. Let's let's see how quickly UK uh, population 2020. Let's see, 67 million people, 68 million people in UK. In Ireland, it's it's uh, five million. So Ireland is much smaller, uh, a much smaller country, and, and yeah, it's, it's it's not even five million. It's four point nine million people in Ireland. So it's much less. It's it's less densely populated, you know. And I guess the 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 differences between the you know this uh, UK has those massive uh, urban 
complex, this metropolis, you know, this L London mm. and, and, and other. While in Ireland, in fact, you have, like even for me moving from Poland to Ireland, you know, the biggest, the biggest agglomeration, Dublin in the area, it's like, you know, it's small compared to literally any other city uh, and, and even compared to Poland, which is 40 million people. It's small. And, and I guess that that is, I feel like this is more conducive to these, you know, outdoor pursuits because there's not so densely populated. But having said mm. that, um, that doesn't mean that the environment is, uh, you know, less damaged, let's say, let's use that word, you know, um, mm. So, so these are these 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 two things, and definitely when you talk about uh, urban complex and these big cities, yeah, everything is paved and so on. But then, you know, you move out to a countryside, and and then you also need to consider uh, environmental damage being done um, by farming. And you know, I, I'm not intending to bash farmers. Right, it's not like they're 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 wreck the environment because they hate environment or this is these are just you know practices and they make a living they produce food and certain changes are going with this and this is just how it goes you know so I mm. I don't want, I don't want to say that it's like on purpose like, oh damn farmers destroy the environment like no no it's it's you know if if anything farmers are absolutely the key to restoring the environment into restoration and conservation. Right. I mean, the thing I heard in your episode was um, the, I forget if it was you or the older gentleman, but one of you two were talking about overproduction of fields um, mm -hmm. and how, you know, and that's probably right. I mean, you're a small, the UK is a small place. The Ireland's a small place, physically small. Mm -hmm. You, Ireland's physically small. The UK is physically small, and and I would imagine overproduction of fields is, is a is a very very large problem there. Yeah, um, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with the size. It it more has to do with the economy, and you know the the economy of scale, the intensification, and um, and and you know, in in fairness, these are practices that came over from the U.S. This is what you know. It it started in the U.S. Like most of the this this modern inventions, right? Um, mm. So so I, I guess you you mm. and the, you know I'm I'm not really feel qualified to speak about the U.K. But I know that a lot of stuff is very 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 similar between U.K. and 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 Ireland when it comes to farming for example so you you know you take ireland has population of 5 million but 95% of of agricultural produce is exported right so so 95% is just packed and sent somewhere else to europe to uk to you know united states and so on and so forth and so you consider this and then you know subject again that is repeated over and over again is that the whole farming again intensification the kind of industrialization of farming um uh, which again came came from the u.s um is mm -hmm. really damaged this is what is damaging farming in the long run and it's damaging the environment so what i mean about that is you know farms that you used to have like a, this 
let's call it slow farming, right? So we had a slow farming, you had a little bit of crops here and there, and you have a pigs and, and the guy have a pigs and chickens and cows and all that, right? These romantic view is gone. And, and while they have all these things, there was also plenty of, you know, space in the hedgerows for birds and ground nesting birds and hares and foxes and all these things, right? Now comes intensification and it's like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. This farm produces only milk and they're running only dairy cows, period, right? And the whole system transforms because now you have special type of grass that grass needs to grow fast. And then you have all those cows and those cows needs to produce, you know, such and such liters of milk per day. So all that is turned into an industry, and and then there is no place for like oh and you know have hedgerows and maybe you have a meadow and like no no it's it's all and why this has to happen you might ask like why why there are certain you know um, thresholds that cows needs to produce this much milk right because the, it it all kicks in in the economy of scale so you need to produce a lot from from as small space as possible because your price is drive, driven down. And this is another kind of thing that we are used to very cheap food. We, 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 we demand cheap food, right? And, and you go, you know, I don't know what's, what are the food prices in, in the U.S., but you, you go to the supermarket and you see the chicken, and that chicken costs like, you know, five euro, four euro, right? People demand that. They're used to that. But then if you think about it, like how much time and effort goes into actually raising a chicken right how 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 it costs five euro or five dollars right if if you have you know the supermarket does some you know makes money of it the the processor makes profit of it the farmer is supposed to make pro, makes profit of it so how it's possible that it is so cheap and and how it is achieved by that it is so cheap that this the massive intensification which is that damaging to the environment that's that's what's uh, happening this race to the bottom these these cheap foods are to blame really i had a a podcast guest that i haven't released yet but i will um probably right around the time i release this because you guys he was in california Mm. and he's going to school to learn how to be a he grew up on a farm but he's or grew up in a rural area, but he's going to school to learn how to be a, a farmer, basically. Mm-hmm. And the two of you say the same thing. Mm. It's like you didn't meet each other, but you're saying the same thing. <laughs> and one of the things that he pulled away, that I pulled out of his podcast time, mm-hmm. was the cost of eggs in this country is directly related to how healthy the chicken was when the chicken was producing the eggs. Mm -hmm. And even though he said the, the, you know, the chickens are fine that are not running around and not being doing chicken things in chicken world. Right. Mm -hmm. The thing that I pulled out of that was, you know, I think I want to pay money for my eggs. I think I think talking to this man, I think eggs need to cost money. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't. What I mean by that is, you don't need the cheapest eggs 
possible. Yeah. Um, but it's so interesting that two different people on opposite ends of the world <laughs> said essentially the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's validated. That so fascinating. Um, and that's one of the things, I mean, so that's the thing I love about podcasting is I've learned so much just talking to people. Mm-hmm. And this is why I was on one of my episodes uh, recently where I said, you know, I basically told my guest who I've had on before and hope to have on again. Um, I said, you know, Bill, let me let me uh, speak in defense of of interviewing the common person and what i said was you know you find out what's going on in this world mm-hmm. you know at least from your perspective and his perspective and like that and that's that's so interesting to me yeah no doubt no but doubt. yeah no so what have you learned from being a podcaster yeah look man this is you know the similar, the similar thing that I got, you know, emerged myself into these um, environmental issues and uh, everything related to you know animal and you even think even simple things like conservation, right? You the 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 the. Uh, Casual person thinks like, oh, right, conservation, right? We protect animals. That's good. That has to be good. There's no, you know, depth to it. And then you look at the conservation per se of specific animal and you discover this wonderfully complex picture of, you know, different uh, opposing parties in in terms of like how the conservation should li- should look like, how many we should have of any species, you know, how to do this. Do you should you call them? Should you not call them? Should you do this and that? And maybe we don't need to do. It's it, and you like like whoa! I had no idea how how complex these things are. So you know, I I, I discovering I'm discovering these these uh, subjects and and. There, you know, like any person who lives any amount of time on this earth, know that once you look at something closer, it's much more complex and and than than it looks at the surface. But you know, to answer your question, uh, maybe maybe a little bit indirectly, but I think that as a podcaster, I get to talk to so many interesting people who have you know, who devoted their professional careers or their professional lives to, or their lives full stop to certain issues, to, you know, reintroduction and protection of beavers, for example, or, or you know, rewilding or, you know, some uh, marine species or, you know, to, to working on the rescuing seals. And, this is this is incredibly interesting, and you know I get to talk to scientists who are, who you know uh, doing research in various parts parts of the world. That interests me a lot, you know. And 
without a podcast, I would, you know, not have a opportunity to talk to them, right? Because, you know, it's like, oh, there's an interesting guy. Let me call him and say, like, hey, can you just <laughs> chat for me with me for an hour? Right? It's, like, it's not gonna happen. This guy's gonna like, dude, like, what a weirdo, right? So having a podcast <laughs> and having this platform. Especially now, you know, like after ninety episodes, uh, you know, you 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 can show your kind of your portfolio, what you do, right? That you're serious right. about it. There, you know, I spoke with these scientists and these these you know people from NGOs yeah. and and these hunters and anglers, and and they're like, all right, okay, I guess that's what I want to yeah. do because what I do, I I want my message to be spread. I want to express what I do. I want this to come out to the people and. And then they they are more willing to come on a podcast, and then I get this opportunity to you know genuinely ask about stuff that interests me. It's interesting to me, and otherwise I wouldn't have an opportunity to talk to them. That's why. That's by the way, like uh, you know, since we talk about podcasting as well, this is why when you know I probably many people who are, who are listening who have other podcasts are listening to your podcast. You know, if you look at those. Uh, those those tips trip tips and tricks you know like how, what is the optimum uh, length of the podcast <laughs> right and it's like oh podcast should be no longer than 45 minutes or half an hour because this is the average commute time and people are listening in the commute time right and i say balls to that because you know like if i have this unique opportunity to talk to someone some some you know world-class scientist or, or person who dedicated his life to, you know, deer or beaver or whatever it is, you know, the idea that that would cut that discussion short because of the commute time of some random person that might or might not listen to my podcast, it's just <laughs> mind-blowing. I would never do that. So, so my message to all the podcasters, like, you know, do as much as you can and, and, and seize your opportunity and yeah. make sure that this is fun for you, and you you got what you want from that, and don't don't do these things like oh, you know, podcast yeah. should be this or that. You, you know, what I mean, maybe no. if you're doing a podcast because hey. your your boss told you that, or you know, we need to <laughs> we need to have a podcast, right? You work in the company, <laughs> and boss want a podcast, so yeah, okay, then you might do these things and do you know, I for mean, like independent podcasters, like dude, like just, yeah, just, like this, and I mean. The reason I'm laughing is because exactly. And I'll tell you something else. I did a podcast uh, recently. Hmm. I think it was last weekend, or I don't remember right off, but it was soon. It was recently. And it was a guy um, basically from the same part of the world I live in, essentially. And he lives in my local city, you know, and he's an act. He's a, a working actor. He's not quite a household name yet, mm -hmm. but he was in a punk band and we talked about that. And, and maybe it's because I like punk and maybe whatever, but I had an, a very interesting conversation with this person. Mm. And I don't know that it was his, you know, is it on one level, is it on the same par with some historians and some experts and some whatever? Um, maybe not. Um, but you know what? 
I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting. And so far, other people have found it interesting too. So, yeah. you know, That's whatever. It. That's it. I mean, you know, there was a guy I talked to. I, I went through this phase with this show where there, I had to do this podcast and I had to test the software. So I just opened it up to anybody. Just you come on my show and we can have a conversation. And if it's any good at all, you know, I'll put it on the internet. I don't even care. And I had some very interesting conversations with people that I, I don't want to say like I wouldn't have talked to them because I would have talked to them, Mm -hmm. but I would not have thought that that would have been, you know, like, and I remember the lady, there was one specific person who said to me, oh, my God, is my are, are, are we good enough? Is our show good enough? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I liked it. And we talked about Casablanca and we talked about vampire horror movies. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and that's the thing is like, that's what I've discovered is really people want a connection. Yeah. People want a connection. <laughs> And you know, no. there's there's also another another thing. I I I I think that the you know the long form podcast has a place, and and when you talk about you know topic that is interesting to the listeners, they don't mind if it if it's hour or if it's two hours, you know. So so again, I, I think that those those you know advice like oh you know you need to keep it to half an hour or you know you know 20 minute max because people will tune out and so on this is like different place you know this is more of a like an advertisement almost right right while while you know there is a substantial portion of people who really want to go deep and you really they really want to understand uh, the the subject and you know what like i had a couple of complaints uh, that the sh- my show is too long, but guess what? Every single one of them listened to the whole damn show, right? Well, you know, what's it's too funny long, about- but they, you know, they were they were you know falling asleep and picking up the next day and do like whatever. <laughs> like, okay, uh, you know, it's maybe yeah. it's too long, but you did listen to the whole thing, right? So it was yeah. interesting enough. So they were coming back and I don't, you know, like I say, like every single piece of software to listen to the podcast, if you stop, it will pick up right from the point when you, when you stopped. So there's no problem for you to pick up. And, you know, if, if it takes you a week to listen to my episode, that's fine. It takes a week, right? If someone is not interested, they will tune out even after 20 minutes, you know, or, or or even in during 20 minutes podcast. So I, I don't think... As long yeah. as you have a subject and and you know you you kind of keep moving conversation forward, man, I have no problem. If podcast is three hours. There's a show that I used to love to listen to, mm-hmm. that those creators don't do it anymore. But in in you know doing a podcast, you listen to you probably know this. You listen to other independent podcasts, right? Mm. And it was these two uh, young ladies who who obviously knew each other. They were obviously close friends. Mm-hmm. And they had this true crime show 
But the thing that was so cool, the thing that you could sit, you couldn't sit in a boardroom and make this up. Like you couldn't sit in a boardroom and say, hey, do that. Mm-hmm. Because nobody, nobody would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, is they would spend about half an hour talking to each other as though they were complaining about their day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they were doing it in such a funny way. Like it was so funny. It was, and I literally told them and I commented on one of their episodes. I said, like, honest to God, if you wanted to quit doing the murder stuff, you could just have a podcast where the two of you complained about your day. <laughs> and I swear people would listen to it because it was so funny. And no boardroom, there's no boardroom in the world that would have said, let's do a po- let's do a podcast with uh, some famous historian or some well-read person, but have him talk to his best friend and they just complain about, <laughs> I took my kid to the store and oh Jesus, let me tell you, this yeah. kid. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> But there I am walking through the mall laughing like a crazy person because mm. these this one woman's child did something pretty funny in a in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and if and if she's listening, uh shout out to you because that that was a funny episode. <laughs> but um yeah, like so did you have like an aha moment? Where you realized, because I'm like you, I had a blog. I had a, a blog, a comedy blog about uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I, where I would pretend I was reviewing a movie. Mm-hmm. And then I would get bored of reviewing the movie because Game of Thrones did it better. And so I would talk about why Game of Thrones did it better. <laughs> but in a funny way, like I was being, I was pretending to be an unbalanced fan of Mm -hmm. game of thrones right gotcha okay so i came up with this joke with this bit and i was just i put it on the blog on the blogger blog and found some pictures for it put the pictures up and then i hit post within 20 minutes like thousands of people saw it Mm -hmm. and some of those people were in the media of a sports team that I watch uh-huh. and you could literally, I could track it almost. I could watch. It's like they were sitting there and they were, Oh God, you got to check this out. Oh God, you got to check this out. This is funny. This is funny. <laughs> and that was the moment that I realized that there's value mm-hmm. in this, yeah. this new, what we call the new media, which I don't even think it's media. Hmm. I think it's something else. Yeah. But was there a moment like that for you? Um, let's think. Um, you, you know, I, I guess, like I said, I, I'm, I'm from the very beginning. I, I enjoyed the, 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 the ability to, to reach to people who, you know, I don't know, they don't know me. And they were writing comments or asking questions or, or doing, or doing all this stuff. So that was like an initial thing, you know, I, I, I think that that moment was when I started getting, you know, comments like, you know, P 
people learning about things that they didn't know how they really look like or didn't know the details, you know? And I always say that because the audience of my podcast is very broad, right? I have hunters and anglers on one hand and then the other side, you know, these ecologists, animal-loving people, they are not necessarily, you know, two crowds that are like each other a lot or talk to each other a lot, right? Which, by the way, you know, I, I occasionally, you know, run in trouble with one of them because I, you know, give a platform to someone they don't like or something like that. But outside of that is, you know, I think like if after listening to my podcast, even one person says like, oh, I never thought about that, then that makes whole thing worthy that's that's this educational aspect right if if there is because i think that even if you talk you know i'm obviously uh podcasting in this outdoor space and and environmental you know wildlife conservation kind of thing but i believe in every other walk of life there's there's like opposing parties people who think differently about certain things and then when you kind of peel the layers of you know like a you know outrage and shouting that is on on top then underneath they actually surprisingly like you know they 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 want the same thing there's there's a lot of common ground and my view is like you know let's work on what's common ground first right i i give you examples to not be like completely detached from reality right let's talk about example of let's say, hunter who wants to hunt deer on the mountain, right? And then you have animal-loving vegan lady who loves deer and would never hunt the deer, but she also wants those deer on the mountain, right? Let's work on that. Let's make sure that we have a habitat on the mountain and then we have a conditions that those deer can be on the mountain. Because both of you want fundamentally the same thing that we have deer on the mountain mm -hmm. once we work together on that and we achieve this goal that we have you know the whole mountain let's say protected and and deer is there now we can work out our differences between mm -hmm. sustainable harvest and leave the animals alone and so on and so forth more than that once we work through this project we get to know each other better. We get to understand each other better. Now we are in so much better position to actually talk about things that we disagree on. Once we work on something that we agreed on, we are in much better position to find a you know, like like find the middle ground. If we jump straight into what we disagree on, then we're never gonna agree on it. There's gonna be a fight. So that's what I what I what I see, especially you know like my podcast. This is like I think that's a unique value, because if you look at those environmental kind of podcasts, it's often it's like okay, it's hunting and fishing, right, and and jokes about vegans, or it's like oh these <laughs> these you know squirrel and poor little animal, and we like and you don't have at all the you know like a fact based conservation sustainable use element so i think that because i'm kind of talking in the whole spectrum that gives an opportunity you know not not majority for sure but at least some people 
to have a glimpse into these other worlds, like, oh, actually, you know, th so that's how it works. Oh, that's, so that's what they mean, you know? And and if you peel back those layers of, of people shouting at each other, there's they they're they're very reasonable people on both sides and they understand each other, right? And I give you an example. I a long time ago, I had an episode, I recorded an episode with the lady, I think that the organization because like is called uh, wildlife rescue Ireland or something along these lines, and they they picking up the you know injured animals and they rehabilitate them you know and and they feed them and once they're you know back to you know injuries healed they release them back to the environment and they do that with foxes right and they know good and well that some dude goes out with the rifle through the field sees the fox and boom right dead fox right so that makes like you know, on one hand, these people are putting so much money and effort to rescue a fox that, you know, had a broken leg or something. And all the other. And we start talking about it, right? And and I told her, like, look, I'm a hunter. You know, I hunt deer. And, it's like, and she was, like, completely, I said, she, you know, she just said, like, well, listen, if you, you know, kill the deer, leave the, leave the like, intestines for foxes or something. They're going to they're gonna eat it, you know? Like, like give me that, like, that this little tip, you know, what I can do to kind of be more on 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 side what what she does, so so my point is like once you have this environment where you can talk to people and and you know they can connect with you and with others on this human level, I find that very often, in most cases, this this surface of the outrage of anger just dissolves and you can have a conversation. And and I think this is this moment when I realize that when it's like yeah. I guess it's it's worthwhile what I do. I I've got it. Yeah, honestly, I I think the same thing. Um, and I'm not even dealing with ecology, but I, I totally think the same thing. Like, the more people you talk to on any side, on as long as you're talking to people on different sides of an issue, mm. the more people you talk to, the more you start to realize, you know what. We're all just people. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like there's bigger issues than than whatever, than than your little thing or, or you know, yeah. this thing or that thing or and let's figure it out. You know, let's let's and I think that's one of the good things about the internet, but I also think it's one of the bad things, is that you can be exposed to everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. but man, um, so how long have you been podcasting? Uh, it's three years now. Three years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The show, so, the show is released every Wednesday, every second Wednesday. So, yeah. you know, uh, I, I, I started uh, releasing every second Wednesday thinking that this is a cad cadence I can commit to. Um, with a view that I'm going to change it to weekly, but then it turns out that that works perfectly, and and even uh, with every every second week episodes with every second week people say, "Oh, you're releasing so many, I can't keep up with them." Um, so I think that's a that's a right. This is just right cadence, like every you know every second yeah. Wednesday an episode. So okay, I've only been doing this for a year and 
basically I started March 14th of 2020. Only so year, year and a half, almost. Yeah, what would you have to tell me? What, what what would you tell me about being a podcaster? Whoa, so many things. What I would tell you about that I that I still haven't told you, right? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, it's it's a you know I, I think that it seems like podcasting. I feel like it's not this new thing anymore and it's getting um, more and more kind of like a commercial big outlets getting into it. But I think that the, uh, I, this is just my speculation, but what I see that I think that even major outlets, like let's say like Spotify who are just saying like, well, okay, this podcasting thing is, is the deal. I think even them, they appreciate the power of um, individual, like like independent podcasters, individuals. That um, there's a lot of value, and there's a lot of people who want who want this kind of, you know, because a lot of people they just don't give a shit. What you, you know, you know what I mean. So if you're mm. having a podcast that is really that is kind of part of the bigger institution as a university right or or a bbc or or some newspaper they automatically kind of involve in a certain level of you know political correctness while you know like i often have a like a, on a on a podcast i had a i had a hunter who you know he 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 lives in america he hunts in in africa and we and we spoke about trophy hunting and all that and he goes after after we finished talking he said like well man you're gonna get hit for that what i said on the podcast right and i was like man i don't care <laughs> you know like that's not something i rely on for my living i do that like you know it's like a labor of love really and 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 this this like almost like a public service to present various people with various points of views so you know, I don't care if someone doesn't like that. You know, you don't like that. You you know, unfollow me. I don't care. Um, if if that's you know, I do care. I don't want anyone to unfollow me. But then again, if if that's somebody's reaction to the fact that I that I speak with other person, then okay, I guess you know, I'm not gonna change that person. So I, I don't care. I mean, I I agree. I think. It's unconstructive to to only talk about or to only talk to people that you think you agree with hmm. without talking to other people. I honestly do. I also think that I you know, you said podcasting is it's not new anymore. I the person that invented the word podcasting, right? The person that invented the word podcast is alive, right? Probably. They're alive, yeah. they're alive and they're younger than my dad. <laughs> they're older than me, younger than my dad. Um, I, I'm trained as a historian, and I deal with things sometimes in the deep, deep past, you know? Mm-hmm. So, 
for me, twenty less than twenty years is yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I get, you know, I get network offers in my email. Mm-hmm. I do. But one of the reasons I don't take them is because I don't know if your network is going to stick around past six months or a year. Mm-hmm. And this podcast is my legacy. This is my, you know, yeah. this is my legacy. But, um, hmm. Well, do you have anything? I mean, okay, let me ask you this before we, before we go. As an outsider living in Ireland, what do you think about Brexit? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, like I, I'm just trying to um, articulate answer that would make sense and... You know, I don't think a lot about it. That's 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 for starters, right? Let's let let me let me fire from the hip and and we see where where we go. Like first of all, I feel really sorry to substantial portion of people in the UK, those who didn't want uh, Brexit, um, and it's not half of them, and it's not slightly less than a half. I think it's more than a half. Um, because substantial amount of people, and this is well documented, voted for Brexit to, you know, basically show the middle finger to the government. And once they were waiting for the results and the results came in that, you know, the vote was yes, they will go like, shit, now what? Right? So that was one, one part of it. Then a lot of people who voted for Brexit didn't really know all you know how it's going to play out and then over a number of years actually when it was when they would try to get the deal done it dawned of them how it's going to look like right so mm-hmm. I, I i think that they the people of united kingdom were refused to vote again on brexit while the parliament in the UK vote, they voted like what five, six times on Brexit, on various types of deals and all of those things, right? They they voted number of times. The actual society they were denied that they voted once. Like I said, not many people, you know, many people who voted for Brexit never thought it's gonna happen, and there was like a you know means of showing middle finger to the government. And then they didn't have a second opportunity to go like, well, now we're more informed how it's going to look like. Now we know more. You know, once you politicians started to work on this, now we see what are the problems. Now we know more. Let us vote again. That was that was not happening, right? That was denied. So, so I'm sorry for the majority of the population of, of actually for all of them, um, because then again, eh, People who voted for Brexit and 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 those substantial group for of those people who still want Brexit, they're gonna be hit the most by by the fact that they're you know outside of the uh, uh, EU. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing, um, I guess that 
Brexit had some major opportunities, right? It's not like totally everything wrong because, you know, European Union is far from perfect. Um, but so, so they were certain opportunities and it seems like the government, the, the UK government, that, uh, you know, completely wasted those opportunities uh, to improve, um, you know, certain aspects of uh, both economy and, and, you know, how the country is governed and, and all these things. So it almost looks like they're, they're lost this umbrella and and now it's just up to you know politicians can do whatever they want and they're not doing good things as far as i can see and i can hear right so th these are my thoughts um the the another another thing is i, I guess it's in, in your historian 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 <laughs> thank you thank you yes. that, that shows that english is not my first language historian well it's also 546 on in your time and yeah, yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know this that time of day, my my tongue starts to go too. So. Yeah, I know, right? So, so anyway, <laughs> I, I think that it also shows that democracy, like I say, you know, it's 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 it's, it's shitty thing, but nobody come up with anything better. And I think that one of the problems is, and you know, same same thing that's going on in Poland, right? Uh, I'm I'm kind of also understand what's going on in Poland and it's not pretty picture either that you know democracy vote you know the majority wins and the mm -hmm. majority is you know usually easy to manipulate and <clears throat> then when you have at the and, and then with the media with the social media with all these this majority is easy to manipulate and that compounded with speed at which we live. Our lives are faster, faster, faster. It's like, dang, dang, right? We hate complexity these days. It's like, just tell me what it is, right? Uh, you know, it's not that simple because, no, 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 no. Just tell me what it is. Is it, is it, is it blue or green, right? Uh, like, and, and there's a lot of people who will just go like that. So like, yeah, yeah, that's green, right? Go for it. And that way, you, it's, it's so much easy to manipulate. And then the nuance gets lost, the complexity gets lost, and that's a path of making terrible decisions. So, uh, you know, I think it's just a. Uh, that's that's my that's my that's my view the, on, on on Brexit. I think it's unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate. Uh, I can understand why some people mm -hmm. might want it. You know, uh, and like even I've done uh, I've done like a number of videos i have a channel on youtube as well it's also called tommy's outdoors about you know regulations related to uh lead ammunition in hunting that eu kind of tries to impose like a you know one regulation basically to fit every single country within the eu which obviously can't work because every country is different um but, mm -hmm. but you know overall i think that's unfortunate that they left and that's unfortunate primarily for people of the UK, but it's also unfortunate for, for the EU and, and for other people who live in the EU, you know? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was amazed at, I, I did a podcast with a, with a young woman who worked at a, a nonprofit 
mm-hmm. where she had to her the job of the nonprofit. She said, mm-hmm. was to essentially was to educate adults about their own government, mm-hmm. and she said, now I. Again, I don't live there. I don't know. She said that in the UK, they don't really teach government in schools. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we in, in my country, uh, in, in, in the United States, uh, you know, I can, I can log on to my Twitter right now and find a conversation that is happening right now about how we don't teach enough civics in school. Mm-hmm which is how we learn American government or whatever. And, but it, we do teach it. It, it, it is taught, hmm. but I just, to me, it's if, as long as you call democracy messy, okay. As long as you're going to have this messy system of government, you pretty well need to have some education that you give to kids and you make sure they're awake mm-hmm. <laughs> about what what are we doing here? Why are we not North Korea? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Why are we not that? You know, um, I had a Chinese expert, and I had uh, a man who lived in China and who I think oddly wants to go back, mm-hmm. but the thing they talked about with that was. That in China, there's there's really like there's it's all top down. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, they don't even have like little elections, like little local stupid elections. It mm-hmm. they don't do that. Yeah, and to me, it's just like, yeah, stop taking this for granted. Like mm-hmm. maybe I'm just an American, but whatever you want to do is whatever you want to do, right? Yeah, but. But you need to know why you're doing it. You need to know why what was before happened. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. my uncle, my great uncle was of the generation that that brought peace to Europe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a historian, when I when I look back on that stuff, when I th- look back on the long time, that you know, a thousand years, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a war somewhere in Europe. I mean, <laughs> for sure, a thousand yeah, years. You know, yeah. you know, um, there was a Europe was so involved in the rest of the world that a child in Africa could pick up a diamond off the ground in South Africa and accidentally start a cycle of violence that ended in 1946. Hmm. (laughs) You know? I mean, people need to know that. I mean, voting people need to know that. Okay, like, you people want to complain about about buns and about lead lead in bullets and all this but let's figure out why 
mm-hmm. what was before. <laughs> yes, yes, and 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 how we end how we ended up. You know what it what it, what it what it caused. Like what's the yeah, yeah outcome of what we had before and and yeah right exactly. You're right. I mean, go to Krakow and go to. I think I read yesterday that Hitler killed ninety five percent of all European Africans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Jewish population today in Europe is less than it was in eighteen forty five. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, our yeah. our lead is lead in your bullets really worth that? Mm-hmm. And if you think it is. Think harder is what I would say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just funny to me. This whole world, the, the more I talk to people, the more fighting just seems silly. Yeah, right. This is you know? this, this is this is this is it. That why you know I I I I I think I I watched a a movie when I was a kid and mm-hmm. uh, you know some people maybe even you can can think of the title but there was like two pilots during World War II, one American and one Japanese pilot crashed on the deserted island, right? So there were only mm-hmm. these two guys. On, on that island so you can understand the tension right japanese pilot and american pilot and there was a scene when they were uh there was a log on the beach and they start fighting over that log right no this is my log as my log they you know and they're fighting over that log and finally one of them wins right and and like oh it's it's his log right and he sits on that log sits for a second and then talks to the other guy now you can have that stupid log and he walks away right it was like they were fighting like why why you were, were even fighting they were fighting for the sake of like whose log is it and once one guy won he's like okay i don't need it you can have it <laughs> so this is i mean right it's well like i was talking to um i was talking to this man in mexico and you can listen to the episode and to talk about how small the world is. Mm-hmm. So there's a, my town has, my city has a soccer team. Mm-hmm. And the coach of his national team was the coach of my soccer team. Wow. And we talked about that. And, you know, but that's, to me, that's just how small the world is. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or how my town is noted for its Mexican food, hmm. right? My city is noted for its Mexican, because we have so many um, Mexican, Mexican immigrants mm-hmm. that my, my actual, where I, you know, it's just noted for Mexican food. It's, you know, yeah. all over the place. Um, but yeah, I, I love the kind of the mixing of of the human experiences, yeah. Together, yeah. I do that. That open. Yeah. That's open. That opens mind. That opens mind. It it does. You know? It does. And um, yeah. And um, I, I certainly I I don't have any skin in the game as we'd say in America. 
as far as Brexit, but I, but I certainly hope that whatever happens, Britain and the rest of what I'll call the Western part of Eurasia is is okay with it. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look, it it will it will yeah. you know you know eventually be just be how it is, and you know they everybody works out things. Right. You know, we will carry on, that's for sure. We've been through worse, like you like you said, you know, there were worse things already happening. Hopefully we not we not let it happen again. I mean, arguably the worst thing that ever hit the planet was um the crater that is in the Gulf of Mexico. So dude. Yeah. You know. You know, so that's there's that. That's a thing. <laughs> That's the thing, right? All the, all the, like, this is what I always say as well. That if you look at this, you know, you put this perspective on it, everything seems like so irrelevant. Like, ah, oh, dude, like, seriously, exactly. Does it matter? Exactly. <laughs> Does it matter if you, if you look, and you know, it's especially when I talk about the environment and the planet and all that, and it's like, well, you know, even if everything goes to shit. You know the life will continue. You know, um, I I read a fantastic <laughs> book, and, and and I I might give a plug. A book, the book is called uh, "Islands of Abandonment." Uh, I think okay. Carl Flynn is okay. the, is the author, and she traveled the world and she looked at all the places where you know either like extremely toxic forest in france when they burned all the chemical weapons after world war one they just burned them and there's like you know some some uh very poisonous uh substances in the in the soil and everywhere or they looked at the you know like a zone between south and north korea where nobody goes or, or they look at you know somewhere in america when there was a river that is so polluted that it was like on fire once because they were producing some chemicals and so on. And in all those places, she describes how the life comes back to those places and, and how, you know, the animals evolved the, you know, uh, resistance to these chemicals, to these poisons, to, uh, you know, or, or I, I think somewhere in Turkey or somewhere else, there's a massive strip of land that there's there's just just minefield right and they just like okay we're not gonna remove those mine those mines it would be just too dangerous so they fence that off and nobody goes there and it turns out that some rare species of leopard lives there thrives there and even the leopard weighs 80 kilos being a cat they walk so gently and never put the whole weight of the body on one one foot that they never trigger those landmines and there's like a best place for them there and they live there right so so i said that this is this is a book that gives a lot of a lot of hope but that's not the yeah. hope we need it's a hope we deserve that even if we break <laughs> the planet and everything goes to shit the life will continue and and that yeah. gives you that perspective, right? Like, well, you know, we are so small, well, and like all these things are so irrelevant, and but life will continue. I just want to piggyback on that. Like, people ask me all, all the time. People around the world now have asked me what my favorite part of history is, hmm. and it's not history in the standard way of understanding it. 
mm-hmm. although it is. Um, we descend from a remarkable creature. Um, we descend from a creature that was going around Africa one one day, and they were hungry because they had a uh, there was a, a evolutionary step in their brain, basically. Mm. And they couldn't get enough nutrients, really. And they, they wandered across some, basically some bones or some skeletons or some dying animals or whatever. And they figured out how to, how to eat marrow. Mm. And the marrow wasn't even cooked. It was just marrow. Mm-hmm. And this was not a creature that could eat marrow, really. Mm-hmm. You know? And the thing that's remarkable about that, to me, is that there's so many times when even other members of that group would have just not, they would have just died. They wouldn't have eaten the marrow or whatever. But here they are doing that. And if if they can do that, I mean, we can adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. seriously. Yep. If yep. they can do that, we can adapt. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, to me... <laughs> That to me is sometimes I'll be honest, sometimes I just think about that. Like I really just think about it sometimes, like especially during COVID or during mm-hmm. the, the darker part of COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Lord. I mean <laughs> you know, or yeah. and also like you know, I've interviewed tons of people. I've interviewed tons of people for different things, not just this podcast. I interviewed a man once who spent years in a cave oh. avoiding the Nazis uh-huh. mm-hmm. when he was a boy. He spent years in a cave avoiding the Nazis. And he grew up to become a lawyer. Wow. <laughs> he immigrated to America, became a lawyer. So humans go through adversity. That's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Agree. Just what we do. Well, Tommy, we've been at this for an hour and thirteen minutes, and we still—I still have to download it. So, why don't you tell everybody all the different things and such that people can find you on? Oh, sure, sure. So, uh, the best way is just to go to tommysoutdoors.com, tommysoutdoors.com, uh, or just uh, type in the Google Tommy Southdoors. It's Tommy's apostrophe S Outdoors. And you get to my website, and from the website you will find the way to all the to my YouTube channel. To you know, I'm obviously as a podcast, I'm on all platforms: Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the others. Um, mm. And also, you will find the links to my social media: Tommy's Outdoors on Instagram at Outdoors Podcast on Twitter. Um, then yeah. So, so hope you, I hope I see you there. And um, I'm going to leave links below to your, 
your social media empire. I'm going to leave links below in the description. I appreciate it. And I know for a fact they'll work in Google Podcast. I don't. I know they work in Podbean and Google Podcast for yeah. a fact. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, folks. Uh, I'm as always. I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. Tommy, if you'll hang on the line, I'm going to unhook the download. Yep. Or sure. unhook the recording.